Hey there, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Just heard me heating up my rig for a little dab. Gonna haven't dabbed together in a while, so uh, thought we'd go ahead and open the episode with a little one. Especially because of what we're going to be talking about today. So, I'm going to let this quartz cool down just a little bit more before we hit this together. Get your supplies together if you haven't already. This is episode 98 of the Baked and Awake podcast. And I'm really glad to have you here with me today. company lifted cannabis and yummy man that was good pick that up at have a heart over here in skyway uh i haven't bought concentrates in months i haven't had a dab since before christmas i don't even know sometime yeah it's wild feels good just had a little little small one to get to lube the old pipes and get things started here so as of the time of this recording this episode we're sitting at January 30th of 2020, and amongst other much more worldwide headlines and news that are unfortunate and, let's say, (laughs) I I don't know, ominous for the coming year. We've had our, you know, World War III scare right off of the top of the year. Uh, I think Australia's, you know, caught on fire right around the, the new year there. We've got the coronavirus to worry about. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple other big developments already. But a little closer to home here in the Pacific Northwest, and specifically Washington State, where I live, and bring you this podcast out of. Our own Washington legislators are getting ready to, or at least have several of them have backed, supported, and presented a new bill uh, to enact something that I'm calling, I'm now calling Dabpocalypse 2020, frankly, not to be overdramatic about it. But uh, it is a bill concerning the potency of cannabis concentrates, exactly like the sort that I just partook of here, um, to limit their potency to, believe it or not, below 10% total THC. I don't have to tell most of the people listening to this podcast that 
in the Pacific Northwest anyway, we've been enjoying cannabis flower that tests well over 15% THC in the medical market here in the 90s, since the 90s, since the debut of our legal market in this state, even regular flour has routinely and does routinely exceed 10% THC. Concentrates, again, listeners of this show will be aware, do get quite a bit stronger than that. We commonly do concentrates at the, at the highest level, at the dabs level, dabbing, at 60, 70, 80% or higher. Okay? If you're balling like that and you're buying sugar rocks and isolates and, you know, wild concentrates that look like snow, you know, this is the stuff that the, that the straight folks get scared of, of course, when they see it start looking like that. It looks a whole lot like certain other drugs that we, that we know and fear in this country, right? first heard about this a few days ago it's been circulating on the on the web for a little while longer but i i just finally got hip to it and started paying attention to it i kind of thought it was a joke at first when i heard about this of the articles that i've read and i have read a few different ones to try to see what people's different takes on it were leafly.com had a pretty succinct and straightforward uh summary on this and this is from the 18th so this is going back a couple weeks already this bill, by the way, was presented only on the 15th of this month in, in the Committee on Commerce and Gaming is when they, where they read it. Maybe it was presented by them to the whole legislature. All right, so Leafly reported this just a couple days after it came out. And here we are, you know, I guess a little less than two weeks later to talk about it here. But Ben Adlin is the contributor from Leafly who wrote this story back on the 18th, by the way, and just to give you the highlights of this article, we'll give you the link to this in the show notes, of course. He says here, citing concerns about a suspected connection between cannabis and psychosis, a group of Washington state lawmakers wants to slash the allowed potency of all non-medical cannabis concentrates, limiting THC levels to no more than 10%. The new proposal, House Bill 2546. They provide a link. I've got the link for you as well here in your description for the for the podcast or for YouTube, wherever you're listening to this. House Bill 2546 would dramatically alter the face of Washington's legal cannabis landscape by outlawing the vast majority of state-licensed vape cartridges, dabbable extracts, and other concentrated products that you can understand that to mean many edibles above a certain potency which are edibles in the legal market are already pretty nerfed here for those patients who really rely on them, especially like over and above recreational use. So to continue, such products are increasingly popular with consumers. Lawmakers noted in the bill, accounting for nearly 40% of the state's legal cannabis sales in 2019. So uh, the writer here does go on to identify, you know, that experts warn that the move, ostensibly aimed at improving public health, 
could quickly backfire. Uh, Leo Beletsky, a professor of law and public health at Northwestern University, said that a blanket ban on such a large swath of popular products would likely drive consumers into the illegal market. He is then quoted telling you about how you make 40% of the products illegal. You know, 40% of, yeah, 40% of counter sales include concentrates of some form or other because it doesn't take much to qualify as a concentrate. And that gives rise to the probability that people will try to figure out ways to still get that product. Even in the simplest way, they could, without even going to the black market, they may have to manipulate their friends who do have access to the product, namely, as you'll come to find out, the, the newly important, once again, medical patient who can go into the store and buy it for themselves. So... This story, the next subheading here is illegal concentrates led to 57 deaths. Maybe this is the study that they used to cite this in the first place, but I'm not sure. Well, I'll tell you about what I mean by that in a moment because the, the bill language includes a, a citation of a study that supports some, you know, health risks. The writer goes on to say, and that's where far more serious health dangers may lurk. Right, illegal concentrates. Federal Centers for Disease Control, CDC officials, have concluded that vitamin E oil used to dilute illegal market vape cartridges has been responsible for nearly all cases of VAPI, also known as EVALI, deadly lung condition. That's probably popcorn lung, etc. It's killed 57 Americans in the past year. Yikes. Quit blowing so many clouds, y'all. Because, uh, guys, this is not, that's not cannabis with cartridges. We all know this. Okay, these were cruddy. And if there were some cannabis, cannabis cartridges mixed up in this, which I think there probably were, they were the, the vanishing minority of the cases. They're really talking about flavored tobacco vape cartridges, which, by the way, are still not a fraction of as dangerous as alcohol or tobacco products. He points out, though, right here, Vitamin E oil did not show up in the state-licensed market because potency testing, which is required in legal markets, would reveal cartridges cut with vitamin E oil to be severely lacking in THC and thus all but unsellable. So we have a built-in protection against that perceived risk anyway already. Uh, Beletsky, this same you know, law expert cited above, uh, called the proposed 10% THC cutoff, quote, puzzling and arbitrarily low. Recent studies have indicated a link between cannabis use and psychosis. This is the study that I'm looking for. Uh, I don't think uh, Leafly had this for me either. I'm looking for this study. Recent studies have indicated a link between cannabis use and psychosis in a very small percentage of consumers, he acknowledged. But the science is far from settled. Some evidence, for example, suggests that patients with psychosis may actually be self-medicating with THC to better cope with symptoms. Boletsky, they quote a little bit more here. I think there's a reason for concern, he says, but we need far more information and far more high-quality research to try to guide these legal steps. Yeah, you don't, you don't say. So 10% pulled out of the air. Low potency would require more dilutants. Passage of HB 
2546 wouldn't ultimately impact consumer demand for high-potency concentrates, LibQ predicted. It's a question of whether they're getting safe products and whether the state's getting that revenue. All right, so what I don't want to do is read this person's entire article. It's really informative. He goes on to have several other subheadings here into this issue. I've read it in full, and, you know, they identify that people will start making concentrates at home again. They identify that people will probably visit adjacent markets that still sell concentrates, such as the Portland area on the south side, and, and bring them back over. In the short term, to me, that provides a great way for the state to have its cake and eat it too because we still have ostensibly a legal cannabis market for adults, recreational. This bill that I'll show you a little bit of the language of in a moment uh, delineates a path to still getting concentrates, okay? They're not really totally banning them. They're going to put them behind a medical patient restriction. And so anybody who wants to continue to have access to the concentrates that are part of their cannabis lifestyle, I posit they're highly valued for a reason. There's, there, it's, it accounts for 40% of users already in a young legal market for a reason. And it's not just young dab heads who are doing slab hits and stop dropping globs and shit. It's not, it's, you know, it's definitely not most of the, the folks paying for concentrates at the counter in any form. In the short term, a lot of them will have a simple choice to make. Uh, Recriminalize themselves by trying to either, you know, access it in one of the ways I've already described or in some other of several ways they could go about it. Opening themselves up for one type of, you know, legal prosecution, serious problems, right? Or they can find a way to define themselves as a patient now that has very severe consequences societally as a direct result of doing so. There'll be, you know, insurance-type discrimination in some cases. There'll be organizational inclusion discrimination in other cases, including in hiring practices of employers who arguably, in a lot of cases, don't necessarily need to involve themselves in that as pertains to cannabis, similar to the way they turn an absolute blind eye to alcohol and, in fact, promote its use in team building and celebratory and sales engagements type scenarios pervasively. That's a big deal to a lot of folks. A lot of folks who don't want to define themselves as a patient on paper, nevertheless, finding through responsible use of cannabis concentrates that they're able, as you keep hearing yourselves all around you in your everyday life from your own friends and family, 
I'm not even going to tell you any anecdotes right now about all my friends and family and my wife and everybody else who's benefited and who's tried CBD for the first time ever in the last couple of years because we finally have started to destigmatize the cannabis lifestyle and show people the power of the plant a little bit. You have your own stories of it, so I don't have to tell you any of mine. You get where I'm going with this, all right? 40% of the countertop sales means that over 80 or 90% of the people who come in, somebody, sometime during the year they buy something, whether it's a little edibles, whether it's a cartridge, it's probably the biggest segment of this concentrates market that'll be heavily, heavily impacted by this, or indeed hash and or dabable concentrates sometime during the year on their on their visits it's one in five times they come in they they pick up a cart or they pick up a gram or two of of some dabs and i guarantee you anybody over 30 years old who's dabbing is not going out of their way to waste their concentrates by blowing through grams in a day on their own just for the gram uh, and having psychotic episodes because of it. As cheap as it is, as accessible as it is in our, for example, just speaking for the market that I'm in, you know, I have two, uh, two grams on the counter that I picked up and I paid $40 for both of them. One was, yeah, you know these shops, they give you a discount at the counter every time you come in. God bless them, it's wonderful, you know. It uh, doesn't matter where you go shop, they all have a cool little loyalty program. I hadn't been into a shop in a little while, and I, I, I like, re-registered for Have Heart's thing, and next thing you know, I got, like, five bucks off the off the purchase. I ended up walking out of there. Two grams for 40 bucks. One of them from Lifted, one of them from another brand. They both look beautiful. Uh, that was ridiculous, you know. That's great, and those two grams will last me, an average person... Like close to a month. And I smoke. You know? I mean, I'll be surprised if I go through them too much faster than that, honestly. So, that's amazing because for as a user, you know, again, people who have got their vape pen, people who have dabbed before, no matter how scary that torch sounded to you at the beginning of the episode, we know that you take a small dab and it takes a couple minutes, and you don't have to stand outside in the rain smoking a blunt and come back in stinking. You don't have to carry a dirty pipe in your pocket or in your bag. It's really stable. It's good stuff in a hundred different ways. And, and you're able to take one good healthy puff like I did at the beginning of this episode. Uh, if you do it right, you don't even die, you know, uh, coughing. And uh, you're solid for a long time. So it's a nice way of consuming because it lowers the number of those, you know, transactions you have to make with your lungs anyway. And again, at, if you're doing low temp dabs, which I think is the only way to do it, you're vaporizing, not combusting. 
I always like combusting, as you know. I, I say it all the time. I smoke pipe here all the time. I smoke joints here all the time. But when I do vaporize, you know, I choose dabs over the vape pen most of the time. Um, vape pen obviously can't be beat, though, for low-profile, you know, outdoor adult, like, light-toking type use. They're amazing. You know, some people just use only them. And when they're made properly by responsible companies, they've been shown to be really, really safe. You know, going to get off the soapbox. It's important, though, for all of us to recognize that even the edibles, which are arguably the most important class of concentrates for so many patients who don't like to combust or vaporize and don't even want to know about a dab, this article provided a great list of the representatives who supported the bill. Ben Adlin, again, the writer of this piece, Seattle-based writer, so he's a local. Uh, it says here he's a writer and editor specializing in cannabis politics and law. News editor for Leafly from 2015 through 2019. And so he's he's still around. He's at Badlin on Twitter, B-A-D-L-I-N. They gave us the link to the House Bill 2546. The House bill cites right up in, in the top of it, you know, the main claim that I'd like to know more about, that I haven't been able to find out anything about on the internet so far. But I'm starting to think from rereading the Leafly article that I need to look for a CDC-backed study, maybe. But the language here is, the legislature finds that health professionals and researchers continue to find an association between the use of high-potency marijuana and the occurrence of psychotic disorders, right? They said that above a little bit. 2019 study analyzed data from patients with first episode psychosis and found that compared with participants who reported never having used cannabis, participants who used high-potency cannabis daily had four times higher odds of psychosis in the whole sample, with a five times increase in London and nine times increase in Amsterdam. The study defined high-potency cannabis as a potency greater than 10%. Okay, so that could include a lot of flour, but I don't see that the language of this bill doesn't go on to define limits for our flour right now. The study defined high-potency cannabis as a potency greater than 10%. Further, the study found that its findings are consistent with previous evidence. I'd like to know what that is, because, again, we don't even have the study. Suggesting the use of high-potency marijuana has more harmful mental health effects than the use of less potent marijuana. So from that, they derive the very next statement, which is, Therefore, the legislature intends to limit the potency of marijuana concentrates that may be sold in the state. In Section 2, under number 1, a and B, under B, it says, or well, I'll read the whole thing for you, it's not that much. 1A, it says here, uh, so, you know, RCW 6950-357 and etc., 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 are each reenacted and amended. So they're amending here an existing section to read as follows. One, retail outlets may not sell products or services other than marijuana concentrates, usable marijuana, marijuana-infused products, or paraphernalia intended for the storage or use of marijuana concentrates, usable, or marijuana-infused products. 
Section B is where it's underlined the amendment, except as provided in RCW 69.50.375. Retail outlets may not sell marijuana concentrates with a THC concentration greater than 10% THC. As provided in RCW 69.50.375 is the delineation of the medical license that you need. It reads here, only marijuana retailers who hold a medical marijuana endorsement issued under this section may sell marijuana concentrates with a THC concentration greater than 10% THC. Marijuana concentrates with the THC concentration greater than 10% may be sold only to qualifying patients and designated providers who are entered into the medical marijuana authorization database and who hold a valid recognition card. Okay, so I've already indicated this. I don't need to belabor it with you. It doesn't matter what your reason is. If you're a 2A person, you know why this matters. If you're not, and you're just an adult responsible user who knows the value of concentrates in your cannabis use mix, you know the consequence for you. You're gonna have the cost associated with getting that medical recommendation. You're gonna have the social credit demerits to put it, you know, bluntly, frankly that go along with it that maybe you're not worried about or maybe you understand very well what I mean for, for others as well as yourself it's also clear from the, the way this is sort of going to play out that there'll be impact to a lot of different parts of the industry and that, I mean, is people with businesses, okay, that have been trying to run these young businesses in a really kind of interesting and, you know, some would say dynamic, some would say kind of unsustainable type of marketplace for the last few years. I asked a friend of mine from the local cannabis industry who have, uh, hung out with a lot and done a couple podcasts with as a guest appearance in the past, Josh Kincaid of the Talking Hedge podcast, Super Chronic Josh, uh, who is a awesome financial analyst and commentator on our, on our local market and on the wider world market for legal cannabis. Uh, about this, I emailed him. I had listened to a great uh, episode of the Talking Hedge uh, where he actually brought it up with a local retailer, uh, owner of a retail shop from Eastern Washington, I think. And uh, forgive me, Josh, I don't remember the name of that uh, gentleman, that episode. But at the moment, I've got Josh's YouTube channel for the Talking Hedge included right here at the top of this, uh, the show notes here. But I emailed Josh and said, hey, man, can you tell me anything more about this? You know, what do you think? Who's who's behind it or who benefits from it? Is there any more to the story? And uh, so he gave me a great, you know, informative reply. I won't read you his entire email, but I'll read you a couple of highlights from it. He, at the time, you know, said 
He's not sure who's behind the bill. We've got at least the name of the legislators uh, listed out, and I've also further collected all their email addresses for you guys. Um, just so, like, you can literally ask them a question if you want to. You can email your rep, or you can email all of them just asking uh, a question or just asking them not to, you know, to withdraw their support for this bill uh, or to consider uh, modifying this bill further in some way for a more reasonable uh, limit if a limit must be set, which I don't want to see happen at all. I'm simply asking for the information of the study in the email I've sent so far. Josh had some great comments for me. He says he's not sure who's behind the bill, but it's gaining traction with at least two dozen legislative backers. So I think the 400 total cannabis licenses, of the 400 total cannabis licenses in the state, Josh says, five are making at least 20% of the total sales. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that number's pretty gosh darn accurate. And, and Josh probably knows that a little better than me right now these days, uh, honestly. So I believe him there. Uh, think about that number for a minute. So the consolidation in the market is is large, and there's a lot of businesses out there that are not that profitable, let's say, even if they are technically making it in a way that they can hang on and keep their doors open for the next year or two right now in absence of a bill like this. Josh says the state has done one thing after another to the point that these businesses cannot function under business as usual conditions. This would be definitely a nail in a lot of these producer, producer, processor, and in a lot of these retailers, uh, coffins, honestly. Not all the retailers that are open right now are doing as great as some of the biggest. And they might not all be able to turn themselves into a medically uh, certified retail shop is what I'm saying here even if they maybe had the money they're not going to let as many of them have it I'm sure Josh reminds us that we banned gummy bears in this state <laughs> he's right for being too enticing to children or attractive okay yep you know even CBD gummies all of it yeah, they tried to really, really nerf it even further in 2018 by going after edibles harder on shapes and colors, you know, for, for any of the lozenges and things and all of that stuff. It was crazy. Uh, it, they did manage to back up off of that, and, you know, that was largely through really active public comment against it at the time, as I recall. So uh, we did ban all CBD beverages, so that's pretty pretty rough. It's a big hit on the market that happened in the fourth quarter of 2019 so that's a re more recent development Josh kind of wrapped up with a, a thought here given the LCB's track record of making really poor life choices I think there's a significant chance this bill could pass I agree Josh I think it's going to go through the impact will be felt most by those companies that haven't increased the number of SKUs to around 15 products producer-only businesses will see the most consolidation in Washington State, and Josh is, so to say, going on record <laughs> to say 100 license holders, 25% of the total amount of producers, processors, and retailers will go out of business in Washington State by the end of 2020. So I, I got to say I feel like Josh's prediction there is is not so much a like Nostradamus 
type prophecy as it's a really understandable outcome of the forces at work here right now already. As he says, there's a significant chance this bill will pass. I see long term, the consolidation that will take place will not happen without a few, a few sneaky but key new players coming into a vacuum that even the existing top, you know, 5%, 10% of the cannabis producers and processors in the state can hope to expand back into uh, as their competitors rapidly drop off all around them faster than they can actually take, take all their old customers. Uh, and those will be like more name brand mainstream new players that are going to come in from out of state. We allow a lot of leeway these days in who can invest in and be part of Washington legal cannabis businesses. So there's a, a side to this that I think we'll see play out in another year after that as we see new but interesting future major players in our marketplace appear after clearing away a lot of the lower performing closer to mom and pop class cannabis businesses from the cottage you know industry days uh, that's something sort of that I see happening here with this as well now we've got a petition it's at change.org let's click on over there really quickly so it's called stop HB 2546 Washington state proposal to ban all concentrate above 10% THC this is the the petition is doing well right now I'm watching people sign up for it as we speak and it's at 28,168 169 170 <laughs> so 171 2 3 so they're going we're they're trying to get to 35,000 is the next goal they're showing right now I've signed this petition I've shared it on social I'm sharing it with you guys here now on the podcast I mean I want 50,000 names on this thing. I want 100,000 names on this thing. You know how big we are in Washington State, the Washington State people, the, the actual cannabis community here in the state. You know how responsible you are. You know how real you are. You know how glad you are that you have access to safe concentrates that we can enjoy as responsible adults. This is crazy what they're doing. I don't know how successful we can be in opposing it with a petition and with some comments. Uh, I don't know how open they're going to be to it here. I don't see in the whole PDF of the bill a you know big path forward for uh, how to object to this or comment publicly about it right now. That may be because it needs to go a little further in the legislative process and make it to the main floor. Maybe it's just been presented in this Committee on Commerce and Gaming as of the 15th, and it needs to make it to like a, a next level of debate before we see a public comment period perhaps happen for this. Link will be in the show notes for the petition. Talked about this for a little longer than I intended to. I hope if you're listening from somewhere further out than the Pacific Northwest, you're thinking about your own 
legal markets, your own emerging markets, and thinking about how at whatever level you can, you can make sure you're informed and involved in your own localities so that you see stuff like this coming. I certainly didn't predict this one. I did not see this coming. I think it's a big impact. It's it's a big bummer, frankly. It's It's not fun to imagine what things will be like for any of us, even the regular, you know, person on the street, consumer who just wants, like I said, access to safe concentrates without labeling themselves as a patient. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to wrap it right there. Uh, really appreciate you listening. I hope you share this episode with friends. Uh, I hope you just got stoned as shit while I was talking about this because it's really kind of depressing <laughs> in a lot of ways. So if you hung with me this long, uh, you really, really helped me out here. So uh, super appreciate you all as always. And we'll save the story about AVG antivirus stealing all our data for to the tune of millions of dollars for another day. Uh, I'll leave the link in the show notes for you if you want to read about it guys but it's ridiculous you know and it's pervasive if it's on your machine if you for some reason have enough gigs of ram and system resources that you would leave a monster like that running in the background on your machine after doing an antivirus pass on on that pro on that program uh delete that delete it and delete all its files that go along with it uh and then if you need to re-download it and use it again then they give you an uh, opportunity now to opt out of the data collection that they're doing some of it anyway not all of it of course not so uh yeah it's a good time so we've got a lot more fun stuff though to talk about really soon uh including sit downs with my friend stellium seven who's an awesome researcher on uh I'll call it biogeology. And uh, I've pointed you guys at Stellium before, so if you haven't checked him out before now, I'll leave his link in the show notes as well. And uh, and a whole lot more. Um, we're going to be revisiting the WikiLeaks files pretty soon as well. So uh, episode 100 is coming up fast, and uh, I can't wait to drop that for you too. Sign the petition to stop this bill at the very least. Share this with whoever you can. I'm going to leave you in the show notes the names and emails of every one of the uh, legislators who I had at the time of, you know, putting together my show notes here who were backing this bill. You could probably just email your local legislator regardless of whether they're already on board for this or not. It would be a great idea. I've already physically emailed about half of them on this list. I started with like the ones with the weirdest and hinkiest names to make sure I got the emails out because I'm getting bounced repeatedly from one of them. But yeah, let's email some folks for once. Let's sign this petition that's already been put together by a wonderful human being who's like, this is bullshit. And that's Kyle McMullen. And I think I also saw... Yeah, no, I saw friend on Instagram posting about this so they've already been sharing that for me uh be hammered 710 thank you good looking out that's what we need to do 
share the petition if you don't share the podcast, okay? That's probably more important. Push that around to your friends in email. They, need to listen, they don't need to listen to a 45-minute podcast. They can just sign the petition. You tell them how important it is. All right. You guys are awesome. 2020 is going to be fine. We're going to figure this shit out. We're all still here right now. Um, yeah. You guys be good now.